Hello and welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 112 and today it's all about Dash and Plotly. My name's Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who teaches. And my name's Kelly Schuster Paredes and I'm a teacher who codes. We're joined today with a community manager from Plotly, Adam Schroeder is joining us. So welcome, Adam, to the show. We're happy to have you. We're excited to talk about Dash and how teachers can use it in the classroom. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for inviting me, Kelly. I'm honored to be here. Well, we're excited about this. Data is everywhere, and being able to visualize it and understand it is a critical skill for, for learners to take on and, and be prepared for jobs of the future. So we're excited to jump into the topic and figure out how Dash can help with that. Cool. Let's do it. All right. Before we get into the main topic, Kelly, why don't we start with the wins of the week? Sounds good. I actually have one this this right. this this time. Go for it. It's all you. No, we're gonna make Adam go first. You forgot. All right, we'll make Adam go first. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wins of the week. I would say, uh, one win this week was that I was able to meet because I'm the community manager of Plotly, and I was able to meet this week with two community members, community managers from other open source libraries and companies. And I find that I found that meaning very enriching because given that they have the same role that I have, we were able to share ideas, uh, give feedback to each other about different initiatives that we were thinking, uh, thinking about. For example, one of the community managers, she was asking us with her startup, well, where she works, probably about 50 employees are thinking about creating a, starting a discourse forum for people to talk. And, and she was asking us like, what do we think? Should we do it? Should we not do it? And the tips we gave her were very helpful. She, she told us, and then I asked about an initiative that I'm thinking about for Plotly. And so it was a very rich conversation and connecting with others that are in the same mindset as you are is always, is, is always a win for me. Yeah. Isn't that great when you have a good conversation with people who are trying to figure out the same sorts of problems that you're trying to solve as well. And, you know, we're surrounded by all these people that, you know, in, in our normal day-to-day -day life that have no idea the kind of work that we're doing. So to connect with someone who really gets it and understands it is a pretty special moment to have. Yeah, definitely. And, and that they can share feedback about things that you've tried, right? You've tried in the past, like, mm, I, or the, you, you, sorry, that you're going to try. And they can tell you, well, we've tried that. Don't, don't do that. Look out for these mistakes. And it really makes the learning journey a lot faster. Absolutely. I love, I love sharing and talking to people and it just like gets my, my mind and my creation, creative side going. And that's why we do this podcast too. So we can do that. So that's cool. That's a huge win. All right, Kelly, I'll, I'll pass it to you next. I kind of have two. So one, I checked off a huge summer project for school done today. We got the class VR headsets from Robo, I think RoboLab, I forget, RoboLab trying to remember where they come exactly where they come from but I should know this by heart but we got them I got them up I've got them all enrolled I got them all named their asset tags and anyone who's listening about who is a teacher knows that when you're working with ed tech doing asset tags is a huge pro, pro you know project five hours of that but that wasn't a huge huge win I do want to harp on a, a really good win I had and you'll laugh I finally learned how to play Minecraft yay <laughs> I did a, I did a workshop like a couple of weeks ago or not even no, last week or something. And it was all about cybersecurity. And I will share that information later on at the end of the show about the worlds that's going to be variable or available. So much fun. 
did Caesar ciphers in Minecraft. I actually built a house in Minecraft, which was funny. And my kid, my kids were laughing at me because I had it in the classroom so long. And I've let kids use it as a lesson. I've always done, you know, empathy or other worlds in class, but I've never actually played it. And it was it's addicting. It's so stupidly addicting. Yeah, there's something to that whole <laughs> Minecraft thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did realize, you know, it is called Minecraft for a reason because the default is mining, which now makes sense, not building. I never so, knew that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't either. You yeah, see, you learn things every day. And that's why when you have to, was it right click to build or throw a block or whatever? Yeah, it was it was fun. It it was a lot of fun. And I, I got to learn a lot of terminology about maps and versus worlds and all kinds of stuff. So huge win, huge win that's on awesome. my part. I know. I that's thought awesome. you'd be happy about that. In my day job, I'm surrounded by a lot of cybersecurity people and we all have we all have a lot of like one foot in platform engineering, the other foot in cybersecurity, making sure that we're building it safely. And so I mentioned to them that that you were taking that that class. I was like, how cool is this? My friend is taking cybersecurity, but in Minecraft. And they're all like, did that dog head tilt thing? Like, wait, what? You can you can do that? <laughs> like they, And then I explained it to them. And I was like, no, this is legitimately amazing that you can teach it in this world. And a lot of them were like, okay, so where do I go download that? How do I start, you know, working with Okay, them? well, I have to share it then, obviously, yeah. right now. Yep. So there's actually two worlds that are published right now. They're CyberSafe, which home suite, hmm, because, you know, all the NPCs go, hmm, hmm, which is why they named it. And that's for the younger kids, like your K-5s. And then you have Privacy Prodigy, which is your six to eight. And... That one's about cyber safety skills, little ones like that. You have Cloudcraft, which isn't out yet, um, which is exploring data centers that comes out in August. And you have, what's the other one? I think Cloudcraft. Yeah, Cloudcraft comes out in August, data centers, cybersecurity, cyber fundamentals, and cyber expert, which is for your 912s. That comes out in August. And then they have actually an 18 plus. So all your little interns and stuff that want to play Minecraft, there's going to be some a lot of deep, deep cybersecurity lessons going in there. And that's, it's incredible. I mean, I'll tell you what, the Caesar cipher was getting me. Let me just say. All right. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll come back there. to you for recommendations on which age level is appropriate for senior business leaders to take. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sorry, that was a long win, but that was a huge one. So nice. So my win this week is completely outside of my job and and teaching and all of those things. Although there's been some really good progress with, with the summer interns. For me, it was actually just a bit of fun. My lease is up on my car and my wife is has started a new job as of this week that involves a lot more commuting than usual. So we're looking into electric vehicles and and trying to find something that'll be more efficient for her to get to and from work. So we've been test driving a lot of EV cars and it's a lot of fun to see what's out there and what's new. And, you know, I wouldn't say any of them are really in the super affordable segment yet. They're, you know, cars are just expensive now in general. You know, Rivian, Rivian. Rivian's cool, a little outside of my budget range. <laughs> but I did test drive the Cadillac Lyric, which was pretty neat. You know, American made car. They have built-in seat massagers in the back, so I felt very fancy driving that around. It was pretty fun. 
So I, the nerd in me is loving all of the technology and the integrations and the way that really cars are becoming more about the software that powers them in a way that has never been done before. So it really just reinforces this whole idea of that almost anything we build is going to require, you know, some sort of thoughtful approach to designing software and experiences for the users. And so it was just kind of cool to see the the variety of different things that are out there. So far, I think Tesla is still the probably the most connected, most polished software experience. But there's a lot of vehicles that are catching up really, really fast. I feel like you have to wait a little bit to wait to those LLM, you know, the law, whatever the large language models get built in. And then you can like just talk to your talk to your car and chat GPT with it. Right. Well, a lot of that is actually happening through all the speech to text and, and oh, the go. voice assistants. So the, the Cadillac that we drove had Google Assistant built into it. Wow. Uh, not so. too happy with Bard, so. <laughs> well, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we digress. That's too long. We spent yep. too long on that. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we get why into don't the we, fun? Yeah, let's get into the main topic. Thanks for everyone being patient with us on the wins of the week. It's been a while since we've gotten to share, so it's it's a lot of fun to talk through it. Let's talk about Dash and Plotly, and let's start, I guess, by just kind of explaining what they are and how they fit together, And because I know there's a really tight relationship there that has been very beneficial to the open source community and has worked as a pretty successful business model as well. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. So Plotly is the company. I am Plotly community manager the open source, but Plotly is the company. Within Plotly, we have two open source products, well, packages, right? Anybody around the world can use, teachers, students, anybody. I worked at Big Brothers Big Sisters of New York City before Plotly, and I used Plotly when I worked for the mentoring organization because I wanted to show my department some graphs and, 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 and data trends with Dash. So these two products are called Plotly, and the other product is, is Dash. Both are open source. Plotly is, is, is a graphing library in Python. Both, both of these are Python. So if a teacher wants to teach their student how to go beyond the theory of what a scatter plot is, what a bar chart is, what a pie chart is, and how we can help us people understand and dissect data, once they go past that theory, theory and they want to show them how to build those kind of graphs, then they could use Plotly because it's a graphing library in Python. And all you need is your computer and a Python IDE and, and you have it, right? You all do pip install, pip install Plotly and, and there you go. Dash is, is a framework that allows you to build analytics web apps, right? In many cases, it incorporates Plotly, probably graphs because the Plotly graphs is, is natively part of Dash. So you use Dash when you want to build more interactivity and showcase like a complete dashboard. Because if I, so you can build with Dash, you can build the dropdowns, the date pickers, the sliders, the, 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 the radio buttons, and, and then you can connect them to graphs using Dash, right? You have this interactivity on your web page that is, that you're able to, to achieve through, through Dash and using the polygraphs. And this was huge. And I know Sean heard the whole story during my data science boot camp because, you know, they make us go from the beginning teaching, teaching people who probably who have never coded before 
going through everything from JavaScript and HTML, and then they take you and then they go and show Flask, and you have to build your HTML index page, and you're going through the whole thing. And at the end, they're like, okay, you need to make this entire web thing, web visualization out of whatever topic you want, and you only have 10 minutes to produce it and one week to make it, and everyone's trying to manipulate all this stuff. And I found Dash and I was telling my team, I was like, oh my God, this is so easy. It's like one file, one and everything yeah. written inside. And it's just yeah. phenomenal. And not many people have heard of it. And they don't even teach that yet at Georgia Tech. So shame on you, Georgia Tech, you know, put Dash in the curriculum. And it, it's just, it was just amazing. And it kind of takes away that and 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 some people will, will probably be upset with this, but it kind of takes away that need to have to build, you know, your index.html page. Exactly. Exactly. And, that, that, it's, it's, it's so nice that you brought that up, Kelly, because especially like Flask, because Dash sits on top of Flask. Like Flask is under the hood. So nobody really knows they're using Flask unless they're aware of it and they, they see similar syntax. But it just sits on top of, the, of, of Flask. And now you don't have to define all these separate files and functions is just one app.py file you 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 declare what you want to see in your html on on that file and that's it it all it's all there it's it's so beautiful it's so beautiful and and when did actually when did dash what version are we on and when did it when did it start so, oh yeah i should have given you a bit more history here or context so plotly as the company slash plotly graphing library came out and about 2013. And we had at first, it was just a graphing library. We had also Chart Studio, which allowed you to build everything on the browser. You would build your graphs, you would connect to each other by, by, by less programming, more like, give me this drop down, let me drag this. And then at a certain point, we said, okay, that's, that's not enough. We want something more powerful. And in 2017, we came up with Dash, right? Which is for those who, who are those who are maybe listening to us and have a little bit more knowledge in, into Python or programming, what really Dash is is just a Python wrapper of React components. So you can do like a, a, a drop down with React. You can do drop down with with a checkbox, a checkbox with React, a dead picker with React. But it's React is complicated. I don't know React, JavaScript, React. These are really complicated tools, and you have to define HTML. You have to connect them. So we just wrapped them in Python, Dash. And now if you want to declare a button, you just say, you know, HTML button. We want to declare a dropdown, a dash core component dot dropdown, dash core component dot checkbox. So it just, it just using Python, as you probably know, it just makes things a lot easier because if you know English, you know Python. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I loved the uh, tutorial, the 20, Dash in 20 minutes. Literally, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I used. <laughs> And when I was telling everybody, I'm like, "What's oh, done? What do we need? We know they're not. We need a. We need a header. We need a. And right. we can put in the bootstrap right. in there. It just copy, exactly. copy that right in. I was like, "What do you want? I got it. I got it. Yeah, everything is in there. And continue the line scale of like the history. So, so 2017, we developed Dash, and now you can create like interactive dashboards or real Python web apps with with adding Python uh, plotly graphs in it. These are all open source and will forever be open source. But in 2000, I think it was 19, a few years ago, we developed Dash Enterprise, right? And Dash Enterprise are more used by companies and maybe universities because then that's like our, our, our product that we sell 
where people can really take their apps to to the next level, right? Maybe they want they want multiple users and multiple uh, usernames and passwords and authentication. And you want thousands of people externally visiting your web app. You can't, you know, you need some you need some some more power to it. So that's that's what you do with Dash Enterprise. But plenty teachers reach out to me on a regular basis saying, Adam, I saw like Dash Open Source. How do I, how can I share this with my students? Like, how can I use this? And so that's, you know, really happy we have that. Nice. And then you personally, when did you start working with Dash? Was it around that time, that 2017 to 2019 timeframe or a little bit later or? Yeah, Sean, are you asking me when I started working with the, with the package Dash or with the company formerly as an employee? When you start working with a package dash, because from your bio, I see that there's some pretty interesting stuff that you've done as part of the community before becoming the community manager. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I, I started, I was working at Big Brothers Big Sisters of New York City as the VP of family and volunteer intake and onboarding and up until the end of 2021, but I started working with, I started with, and this is all, my experience is often the experience of most community members and Dash users out there. I started with Plotly graphing library because I had Excel, right? But, and I had some graphs that I could build with Excel, but, it, but it, for me, it seemed a bit, a bit complicated and limited. You know, you can't create any type of graph you want and you can't customize the graph in any way you want in like multiple ways. And so I said, you know what, maybe I'll learn Python because it seems like a very relatively easy language because that's not what I studied. I studied mm -hmm. masters in conflict resolution and, and diplomacy and that's not like, okay, let me just learn Python. And once I learned Python, I started with Seaborn graphing library. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, hmm, that's kind of cool. But I felt plotly because I could, uh, it, it seemed easier to me than Seaborn. And because it allowed in, in, at the time for more customization than, than Seaborn. So, okay. So I, then I started building graphs for, and plotly, and I used it at my department to like show my, my, my staff members different data trends, what's happening, how many, why are we getting, I mean, we had some information in Excel, but it's a lot easier when you see it on, on a graph, like long-term trends. You can look at row by row and see what's happening with, with, with a certain volunteer or a certain family member. But if you want to see the overall picture, it's a lot easier with, with graphs and a dashboard. So that's really when I started getting into Plotly and Dash. And you can't do like the hovers with all that information, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and the, and the dropdown and changing. Exactly. Yeah. So beautiful. I actually love Plotly too. So, but we're talking, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, and I, I think this is kind of what leads into the, you know, kind of the meat of things now, which is like, so how do we use this in education, right? As I think your story about, you know, not being a data scientist or a computer science programmer, you're just someone who wanted to visualize some data, right? To be able to understand it better and, and use these trends and then share that with others is I think a fairly common story that a lot of teachers have as well, which is I have a lot of data, right? Or I have access to, to some data and I want to be able to visualize and share that with other people so we can talk about it, we can make decisions from it or learn from it. So when it comes to using Dash in this context, like what is what are the sorts of things that you're seeing in the community around education and how teachers, administrators, faculty are using Dash as part of either teaching or understanding their students better. They, they didn't really go into a lot of detail on how they use it within the classroom. I had a couple of university professors that use it, but that's part of like, you know, data science 101 and teaching them a little bit about visualization. And the, the others who did share a little bit from high school told me that 
And they were using Dash to kind of supplement their, their, their subject matter, right? So whether they were teaching, I can't remember what they were teaching. I can't remember what, what subject matter they were teaching, but they said that they use Plotly in the graphing library as well as Dash on the dashboard to show the students, look, this is what, on the grand scale of things, this is what, this is the data that we're looking at, right? And maybe you want to go into like the, the specifics of the data instead of using, they, they often use Excel, let's say, why don't you just use the drop down here or use this, this radio button to filter the data and, and spit out uh, or plot the data on the graph according to the data that you want to see. So it just, it, it seemed like from the, what they told me, it seemed like it just made the learning experience a lot faster for whatever they were teaching because it just had more powerful tools in their hands. Yeah. And I'm thinking as you were talking, this is, this is what I love about our show. I can imagine, you know, an econ class or, you know, an AP econ class or someone in the high school. I mean, we could do it in the middle school, but not always, not always, there's not a lot of computer science teachers in the middle school. But I'm thinking in the high school with science, all they have to do is give them a template, even if the teacher's doing it, give them the template of the code and change out the data just to get a basic, a basic graph on, on site. So looking at the trends of what's going on with a certain thing in economics or looking at a trends of whatever they've collected. I know Sean first introduced me to the whole graphing thing when he first, when we first started teaching together with the uh, what are they called the race cars oh the oh. It's been so long. <laughs> i forget what they were i forget what they were called but they're basically like they're little road like carved wooden roadster racer racers with a co2 bottle in the back and you puncture the co2 bottle and they go shooting down the track and, and yeah go ahead no go ahead you tell the story better. i was gonna say so we what we did was we basically just did some google sheets work with them right so we had like a google form and we had the students entering the data from their races how much does your car weigh and how fast did it go? Like, what was its time at the end? And then what was pretty amazing with it was that we could project that on a screen. So as the responses were coming in, it was updating like a top 10 list and it was doing like a graph and a scatter plot. And then one of the things we did afterwards was we went through and, and built a scatter plot of their mass, the mass of their car versus their time. And you can see that really clear correlation that the, the faster cars were the lightest cars, right? So, imagine like you can do that with the Dash and Plotly, and then you actually have a, a, a live, you could put, you know, a website, host it maybe if you wanted to, but don't have to host it. And then you can actually hover on it and you can see that's Bob's car and, you know, and they had this wheel axle. And so yeah, those thoughts yeah. like that, pretty yeah. cool. And, then, and you could do it live. Like if you right. connect to a, a, a data set, a data set, a database, we have a, a thing called Dash um, Corco Interval where every second you can decide how often you can say every second I want this to, to like, to listen to a certain event or to listen to something that's happening. And, and then it will, you know, renew the data or pull more data from the database. So from once second or once every minute or once a day, whatever you want, you can pull data and see your, your dashboard update live, which is great for, I think you mentioned this, Sean, with your race car, seems like it's great for like experimentation. Right. Right. And, and I think there were a couple of things that worked really well with this because, and, and they're, they're principles that I think Alberto Cairo, who's a professor at University of Miami in visualizations talks about a lot, which is when you're doing like infographs and like informational visualizations in journalism, one of the things that helps engage people is when they can see themselves in the data, right? So if it's just a data set talking about other people, 
it's not as interesting as if it's a data set that includes me, right? And or and or the, your region or your right, neighborhood, right? Like, oh, th that this means a lot to me. Let me let me let me try to understand this this violin chart or whatever. Exactly, exactly. So they can see it and they can say, okay, that's me or this is my area or this relates to me directly. And in that case, with those race cars, I think we called them roadsters, right? They could find their data point in the graph. They could find their friend's data point in the graph. And so it becomes far more interesting when they see themselves in there and it becomes this process of discovery. So we talk a lot about data fluency, but I think we don't talk enough about kind of like data exploration as a component of that. The ability to explore and find new and interesting points within the data, whether it's yourself or trends or something like that, that data exploration concept is really powerful in the learning process. And I think, oh, sorry, Kelly. No, I was go, ahead. Say, go ahead. I just wanted to reiterate, I think Kelly was, was alluding to this a little bit where there's more and more data every, every day, right? And, and it's not like in the past when I, was, when I was a student in high school, like two years ago, it wasn't like that where you had very little data and you could just pretty much on an Excel sheet or it was easy for the teacher to say, okay, we're just going to work with this data set. Now you just have access and easily because you have the hardware there to access gigabytes, terabytes of data. And you can't, then you can't, like you said, Sean, you can't find yourself. Like right. you can't, you have to use graphs and data visualization to better understand what you're working with and what you're looking at. And so the need, as we have more and more data, the need to understand the data with graphs and visualization, I think becomes bigger which is why we're seeing more and more users in, in, in Plotly. Yep. That just blew my mind. So there's, I don't, for our listeners, they know that my big goal was to make this sort of dashboard. And I made a smaller version of it for the boot camp. And it was great. And it was, it was old data. You know, the trends were kind of lame. The, the machine learning out, outcome was like 0.3, you know, really bad, really bad <laughs> pr predictability. But I'm thinking this while you guys are talking. We have this monitor in our classroom, and Sean used to have a hand sanitizer, and it would collect how many people hand sanitize their hands. This is during COVID. But I'm thinking about all the possibilities. You know, just plug in a monitor, put a TV, not even a monitor, whatever you can grab, run run the program through an old computer. I mean, whatever computer can handle the VS Code or whatever, and you could have kids feed in. How are you feeling today? How was this topic? And that data, just, you know, a quick little one minute survey connecting in with that data collection live. Then you have a whole week or of old data plus how they're feeling. Maybe you could see trends. There's just so many things that you can do that we don't really do in education on data collection because we use data that's old, right? So already past the point, they got an A, kids moving on, or they got an F, the kids moving on, but nothing that's real-time accessible data. And all that, those ideas, that's pretty cool thinking that. And it's simple, connected to a Google Sheet, connected to a form or something. Right. So I think it's, it's one thing, if, if I were a teacher that I would be thinking about but this could be just because I, because I did teach a little bit as I was invited here when I was teaching a little bit about climate change to a middle school in the Bronx. And I was a teacher in like my former life. I was teaching English. What, what I find from what I know is that more and more people are interested in learning Python, right? Because it's, it's a simpler language in Java or JavaScript. And because it's just being more and more used in the world, like Python can better prepare you for the world and jobs and careers and, than most other languages. But teaching Python to children with low attention spans, short attention spans, 
it's probably not easy. I, I, I've done that. I did it in English. That was hard enough. And so I'm thinking if, if teachers would use Plotly in Dash to teach Python, that would engage them, in my opinion, a lot, a lot better. I, I have community members, not students, but, you know, adults may tell me, I actually, I'm using Plotly Dash because it's so easy. I'm, I'm actually learning Python, and this is what happened to me as well, through Plotly and Dash. I really don't ha didn't have a reason. I wanted to learn Python, they say, but I didn't really know for what. But now that I know that I can I'm explore data, I can create this beautiful dashboard with Dash, I'm going to learn Python as I learn Plotly and Dash. And because Plotly and Dash are so easy, you don't you only need to know Python lists and dictionaries and you know and that's it like functions and then you know how to how to create your Dash app. So they can teach that at school as a way as a tool to teach Python. I think it would be beneficial. 100%. Yeah, I, I think that it goes back to something that we've you know I think we've had guests repeat over and over again, which is it it's almost always going to result in failure if you say I want to learn Python, right? Right. It's usually it usually goes with. I have this thing that I want to do and I'm going to use Python to do it, right? I have this data that I want to graph or visualize. I'm going to use Python to do that. And that leads me to Dash and Plotly, right? It leads me to some tool that I can use. And then I do the thing that I really want. And along the way, I'm learning how to use Python. I'm learning how to use Dash. I'm learning how to use Plotly. And, and that's where, as we think about education and kind of where we are right now, we're at this confluence between the way we used to teach these concepts, which is really is grounded in a lot of really good pedagogy, right? Like there's a lot of really good science behind why we teach graphing data this way or why we teach understanding data on, in small sets first, right? But what we're missing is that the world is shifting towards that much more rich, complex, data-oriented, you know, industry, society, whatever. And we haven't figured out the best way to bridge the gap from teaching those concepts in the traditional way that's worked really well into the new skills and technologies that we need to use, right? So it's kind of like I see my my own kids elementary school, you know, third grade, fifth grade, when they learn a lot of really good fundamental statistical stuff, like here's how to get a mean, get a mode, here's how to plot those numbers on the graph. The next step is how do we go further, right? How do we go from, from, you know, that sort of plot on paper pencil to now do it for a thousand points of data or a million points of data and showing them that it's something that they can do, right? That they can learn how to do that. It's not something that's insurmountable, right? 100%. I want to uh, sort of add, but sort of switch topics like I always do. I want to talk about Dash and ChatGPT. There's two sides of that story. I want Adam to explain on, you had like a competition, that side. And also just talk about the the hallucinations and stuff that I encountered, but I'll let you talk about it. Oh, I'd love to also hear later from you, Kelly, how, how you, what hallucinations you've encountered. But yeah, I mean, it happens where like hallucinations, ChatGPT is not, it's not explicit to Dash. It happens, which with with other anything else really so we at plotly at, on the community community side the community forum i've introduced bi-monthly well, every two months an app building challenge right and the this current challenge is building an app while incorporating like an open ai api into it like chat into it 
And so far, we've had a nice amount of, of submissions. We usually get the submissions towards the end, which is in a week from now, because people are like, I want to win this contest. So I'm not going to share my app now, I'm share like the last minute. So I'm excited to see what, what we're going to, what's going to turn out. But from, from playing around with ChatGPT, and I also made a video on, on YouTube for, at Plotly's YouTube on how to work with ChatGPT and Dash. I see like two different, I guess, in, in two different ways. One is you either, you, you use ChatGPT to enhance the learning process of Dash and ChatGPT can help you create, understand how to program and, and create a Dash app, right? Incorporating Plotly Graphing Library. And the other thing is building your own Dash app that incorporates ChatGPT into it. So you are you're you you have your own API key of ChatGPT. You incorporate that. They have their API documentation. And I did this a couple of weeks ago, where there is like a chatbot inside my Dash app, right? So that other people can use my Dash app that has ChatGPT inside of it. So there are two separate things. The challenge that I'm right now is. How to the app challenges for people to incorporate ChatGPT into Dash. The video I made is how to use ChatGPT to actually create Dash apps and enhance your learning. And both of them are very, very valuable depending on what stage of the learning process you are in. Yeah, and I was when I found the code, you know, where you had just the little chat box into your prompt, and you know, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. So many kids would love that. You know, just even showing them that you could access, but you know, you have to do the OSCE. And that's a little bit more challenging sometimes for eighth graders and seventh graders. But I can imagine high schoolers, here's my own little chatbot directly linked to ChatGPT. And that to me is like a, a definitely a dopamine hit for any kid. Wow, you know, I directly hit on my website with ChatGPT. So that was out there. I just thought that was cool. What else was I going to say? Oh, the hallucinations with ChatGPT. That was fun. They sent me on a on a random random road because this is this is me trying to get my app done in, in like a week with all this data and like multiple pages and I was trying to make a drop down menu that was connecting and just the way that it was doing it was it was blocking out a, a port and then the chat GBT was telling me to put a different port number and put this in and change the URL and I was in a wild goose, ch goose chase and I was like you know what I'm not going here anymore and it kept giving me deprecated deprecated code yeah and dash. that's that's something to note like that if you use ChatGPT to learn dash it's going to teach you dash but it will it will teach you depending on if you're using 3.5 or 4.0 it will teach you code that was used about a year ago maybe a year and a half which is not wrong because all dash versions i think you kelly asked me right now we're on dash 2.11.1 all dash versions are backward compatible so if ChatGPT is giving you, you won't know what version it is, but it's giving you kind of like Dash syntax that we used to use in Dash 2.5, then that's fine. It's still going to work. It's just, when then you see examples, real life examples of current community members of the documentation, it was like, wait, why, why is this code written differently? It might confuse you a little bit, but it'll work. So just keep that in mind. It's like you're a teacher and you want to learn Dash before you teach it to your students or before you have your students go at it with ChatGPT and then start asking you questions. It's important that, that you also read the documentation and don't just rely on ChatGPT to, to, to become an expert in, in learning Dash. I think that's a good takeaway for the teachers, though, right? So you can tell. I can always tell when, well, I could tell since summer right now, but I could always tell when the kids were using ChatGPT to do their assignments. Because oh, really? It, it, oh, yeah. It's beautiful because we talked about this last show, but they do the hashtags and they 
they do perfect syntax and no sixth, seventh and eighth grader has perfect syntax with the double space, you know, the spaces and everything. But that's something to note, like if your kid comes, students come up to you and you say, well, I've done this visualization and it's in, it looks this way and you're familiar with the library. It's always a, a fun little, well, you know, why did you do that? Have you looked at the documentation? Go back and change it and update it. So they refactor the code. Go ahead. Well, and it, it, it does also, I think, encourage us to really be clear about what we want the students to learn, right? Are we there to have them learn the detailed understanding of how Plotly works and the best syntax? In some cases, yes, right? Or is it, do we want them to visualize some data and have the opportunity to work with it, right? Or is it something completely different? Because depending on what the goal is, right, then, you know, using generative AI to create the code might be like the fastest and best way to do it, right? In other cases, maybe there are serious drawbacks to doing it that way because you're learning the old, outdated version, right? So I think, you know, when you're teaching, and especially in this world, you have to get really clear about the learning objectives. Like, what do we really want them to learn? What's their key takeaway? And Adam, to your point earlier about making everything faster, right? And smoothing out a lot of these speed bumps, right? That's where you know, maybe using tools like this or using the documentation can help us smooth out those speed bumps that people run into when all they want to do is take this data set and visualize it in a specific way that they can they can see in their mind, but they don't know how to turn that into the code, right? right. So I, I really like the idea of, you know, having clear objectives for what we want them to learn, but then encouraging them to use all of the resources that are at their disposal the chat GPT tools, the documentation, the community, you know, leverage everything to make sure you're coming up with the best answer for what you're trying to solve. Right. And Sean, what I really liked about, about the Ash when I, especially now, but even when I started learning it while before joining Bali, is that it's, it, it's really just a tool to allow you to create front end interface, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to, it might be even like you said, it might be easier for a teacher to say, instead of, I'm going to teach you Python through that, it's like, we, uh, you're going to do some math and you know how mm -hmm. to do some math with Python, but I want to see the results. So we're going to put everything on, on the web browser with Dash. I want to see, I want to see the, the user, the, the, the front end, or mm -hmm. instead of you in the back end doing algorithms and clicking execute code and see the result and execute code, because you want to change the, the inputs of your, your mathematical equation. Well, you do that everything on the front end. So you just yep. change it by t putting everything in the browser with your keyboard. So I just, it just makes, and you, you don't, that's for math. You could do it for geography, you could do it for any subject matter where you just want to have a user interface on the computer and you want to interact with it with a lot more ease. You just use a dash in Python and you have it. So it's like a very good reason to teach it. Yeah. Sorry. And I know we're cutting on time, but one last little, uh, like, wow. Imagine this unit first day back to school. Here's my dash code and you're going to do an about me page. And here's all you have to do is just fill in the blanks of who you are. And this is going to be your web page showing on your computer. You jump them into VS code already. They they have like a file structure already set up. Maybe share it out as like a, a package deal. And look, you've got you've got a, a week one about me. Get to know your student. And there, you know, I, I think about the time when I used to teach HTML back in 2005, seven, six, whatever it was. And that would be our first unit it would take, it would take five weeks, but. Yeah. I mean, right. I like, I love the idea of the about me with data, right? Yeah. Like here's my, my summer in data and maybe they add things like I went to these different cities or I tried these different foods or I, you know, 
beat 17 different levels on the latest, you know, call of duty or whatever it is. Right. But like some sort of like, here's my summer in data presentation when everyone comes back to school. Cool. Yeah. You just wrote eighth grade curriculum for me. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I think the other thing that, and I think this is my final thought is that the other thing that I like about using visualizations with data and using it with code is that one of the, the hard things for students, especially juvenile students, you know, not adult learners, but, you know, students in middle school and high school, they're now learning things that their parents never learned, right? They're learning concepts and coding and, and computer science that unless their parent is a computer science person or is, is, you know, very technology focused, they might show them like, look at this thing that I did. And the parent or the adult has no idea what they're looking at, right? But if you show them, hey, look at this web page that I made that has all of this data that I graphed on here from this data source or that I added myself or whatever, now you've got something that people can relate and respond to. And there's definitely this power of reinforcement in the learning when a learner can show what they did to someone else that they care about. And that person says, wow, that's so cool. Tell me more. Yeah. So I, I love that aspect of, of learning with data and learning with data visualization. And I think Dash would be very well suited for it because you get some some very beautiful, pretty visualizations for a very, you know, few number, few lines of code. Right, right. Yeah, with like 10 lines of code, you can get started. Yeah. Last talking thought. Talking about getting started. Oh, sorry, Kelly. No, no. I was going to say last thoughts. We've got about a few more minutes. <laughs> yeah. Talking about getting started, like if uh, listeners of this, of the show are interested in learning a little bit more about Plotly and Dash, Obviously, you can just, you know, plotly.com, you can see our documentation. Uh, my best recommendation, I think, would be to take our 20, Dash in 20 tutorial, Dash in 20 minutes tutorial. You'll see it if you go into our Dash docs. It's like the, you'll see right on the top, Dash in 20, and it should take you about 20 minutes. We have experimented with, with the beginners. And it will really teach you the most important elements of Dash, right? How to incorporate data, how to display things on the page how to use a function, a callback in order to create interactivity and how to add graphs to it. And then you're done. And then, and then from there, you can decide how deep you want to go into it before, before you teach it. We also developed a curriculum, an open source curriculum, in case teachers are interested in, in, in learning more about it than using it to teach other students. So I'd be happy, Kelly, Sean, to share that with you as well. Yeah, we'll put it Very in our nice. show notes. Very nice. All right. So for our audience, if you have questions for Adam or questions for Kelly or myself, you can always send them through our website at teachingpython.fm and we'll make sure they get to the right person. You can also interact with us on social media at Teaching Python on Twitter. I'm at SMTiber on Twitter and Mastodon. And Kelly is at Kelly Pered on Twitter. Adam, any any best places for to follow you or engage with the work that you're doing through Plotly? I would say the you can you you know what's open in a kettle on our Plotly forum, and then you can find me there in messages. A best way is probably to to email me if you won't have any questions, Adam at plotly.com. But also, Sean Kelly, feel free. If you get any questions or any people are asking you to connect them with me, feel free. Just you have my email address, connect them with me, and then I'll be happy to follow up and meet with them if they want. Yeah, and I know from experience on LinkedIn, the Plotly employees are, are super nice and got me connected with Adam right away. And just just a great, just like most Python community, not to generalize, but most Python community members 
always happy to help, always happy to answer questions, even for people that, you know, may not know exactly what they're doing. And I just encourage you to reach out to Plotly because it's a great group. I think it's now it's my new favorite library. Poor Matt Plotlib. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Well, I think that does it for this week. As always, we're, we're happy to have had this conversation. Adam, thank you so much for the time today to talk about Dash and Plotly and, and how they can support learning. It really means a great deal to us that you, you took the time to do this. We're big fans of, of both libraries, and I think we'll be finding ways to use them in, in you know, every possible situation we can from here on out. Cool. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Kelly, for the invite. Have a wonderful week. You thank too. You. So for Teaching Python, this is Sean. And this is Kelly signing off. Mm-hmm.